Now you know why I don't do the announcements. I, I apologize for messing up on that announcement. So we've got some uh, special people here today. We're glad everybody's here. We, uh, but we've got some folks that uh, we haven't seen in a while. Steve and Susie Mars from Tulsa. Um, Y'all remember the Mars? If not, you need to get to know them. They're a great family, so it's good to see them. Phil Berry's home for a few days, a week, just whenever. I want a job like that. Uh, Phil came in because his son um, is doing college interviews, so it's good to see Phil. If you don't know Phil, Phil uh, moved off and left his wife and family here. So, uh, and they will be joining him May, June, summer. And uh, so it's good to see Phil. Shane Cowan is here for kind of one of the last times. Shane, uh, as we announced, has been transferred. And, and uh, so he's here a week, there a week, but his here and there is gone. And Shane, one of the weeks you were gone, we took a congregational vote. Uh, you're staying. So... Uh, Tracy will be joining him uh, after the school year, so it's good to see some of these folks here. It's good to see everybody here. I'm, I'm glad everybody's here. We're beginning a new series today that I'm calling Blessed Assurance. So just to give you a little heads up, <clears throat> I'm going to rile the troops. If I preach on grace or I preach on assurance, I can assure you that someone's not going to like it. So if you want to come for the next eight weeks just to see what I do to irritate somebody, I'd like for you to be here because, let me say it this way, you know, my wife was in the classroom for 29 years, and she always had to do lesson plans. If you're a teacher, you're aware of that. You have to do lesson plans. Here's my lesson plan for this series. I want you to be saved, and I want you to know that you're saved. Blessed Assurance. It's what I'm calling this series. I want you to have assurance regarding your salvation. I want you to have confidence regarding your salvation. I want you to know that by following Jesus and being obedient to Jesus, that you can know, you can know that you've passed from death to life. I want you to know that, and I want you to have that assurance. And so that's why we're going to spend some time in 1 John That's why he wrote this letter. He says in chapter 5, so that we will know that we have eternal life. So I remember growing up and they would have everybody raise their hands and I'm not going to do this. If you die today, would you go to heaven? And some hands would go up and some wouldn't. And well, I, I hope I would. I'm not sure. I just don't know. John says, I'm writing to you so that you can know that you have eternal life. So again, I'm calling this blessed assurance. I don't want you to doubt your salvation. God doesn't want you to doubt your salvation. God wants you to enjoy your salvation and not wonder about your salvation. Now, let me say this. Some people have an assurance and they have no right to it. Well, wait a minute, Richie. You just said you wanted us to have assurance. I do. But some people have assurance that they're saved... And they're not. Now, I'm not the salvation police, but some people have a false assurance. Some people claim to be saved and they're not saved. They haven't been saved. Some people claim to be saved and they certainly don't live like they're saved. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Jesus will say, hey, Lord, I'm saved. And he'll say, no, you're not. Well, then, Richie, I guess I, I can't have an assurance of salvation. No, let me say it this way. Some people have a false sense of assurance because they were given false information about their salvation. You can know that you are saved. And that's the goal of this series. And then there are those who say, well, you know, you can't really have a real assurance. They're what I call the yeah, but people. Richie, I I hear everything you're saying. Yeah, but. Listen, folks, there's no yeah buts in the Bible. The only but in the Bible is but God and what he did at the cross. Well, Richie, I I know you just read all those scriptures, but I'm going to irritate you right now. I'm going to tell you because I'm going to read scripture and you're not going to like it because you want me to tie in and bring in and bring in and bring in. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to do it. Because I'm banking on Scripture and trusting in Scripture. I'm not trusting in you. Blessed assurance. I know there's Christians out there that would like to have that assurance. Richie, when I die, I'd like to know I'm going to be with Jesus. You can have it. Richie, I don't want to have any doubts. You can have it. So John again writes, 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And already some people are saying, well, yeah, but you got to read this verse over here. Now I'm reading that verse. Because I believe in Jesus Christ. And that verse says, if I believe in Him, here's what I have. I'm banking on it. I trust in it. Can I really know that I'm saved? Can I truly have blessed assurance? Again, that's why I want to spend time in 1 John. I want you to spend time in 1 John. I want you to read 1 John because I believe God wants us to be confident Christians. And if we live with a confident assurance, it'll change the way we deal with people. It'll change the way we deal with our jobs. It'll change the way we deal with health. It'll change the way we deal with death. Excuse me. It'll change the way we deal with everything. God wants us to live confidently. And with assurance, our relationship with God was never intended to be a burden. Jesus has always come to relieve us of our burdens. Jesus didn't come to make us feel guilty. Jesus came to free us from guilt. So again, we're going to spend time in 1 John. Because in this short letter, we'll find that John believes that it's important for Christians to live confidently with assurance, knowing for certain where you stand in your relationship with God. So in 105 verses in 1 John, it won't take you very long to read it. In 105 verses, 40 times he uses the word know or knows or acknowledge. Here's what you can know for certain. Well, that's what I want to read because I want to know for certain. He doesn't say here's what you can... Well, I hope. I'm kind of wondering. He doesn't say that on your deathbed you can say, well, I hope I've done enough. He says, I write this so that you will know. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you know, Richie, that sounds good. I just don't know if I'm supposed to live that way. 
John writes with boldness because he said there were people wanting to lead them astray. He says in verse 226, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray because you're going to have people in the world tell you you can't know for sure. You're going to have Christians say, yeah, but Richie, you can't know for sure. So if you don't hear anything I say for the next eight or ten weeks, if you don't hear anything that I say the rest of today, I want you to hear this. You can have assurance of salvation. It's biblical. You can know for certain. That's what I want you to have. That's why John wrote, so that you will know. There have always been and there will always be people who pretend to be Christians and they go through the motions of being Christians and they wear the name, but that's about it. They don't walk the talk. So let me say this. Just because you wear a cross doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you got a bumper sticker on your car doesn't mean you're going to be saved. Well, yeah, but I... Let me illustrate this way. Maybe you heard about the police officer that came upon a scene <clears throat> and he witnessed a man who was yelling at a lady who had just run into him. I mean, he was just really belittling this lady. So the officer cuffed him and <clears throat> put him in the car and he took him to, drill, to jail. And the whole time he's like, you can't throw me in jail for yelling at a lady. You can't throw me in jail for yelling at a lady. Well, someone posted his bond and <clears throat> he was getting out and he was getting out. And he's still yelling at the officer. I told you, you can't arrest me and throw me in jail for yelling at a lady. The officer said, I didn't throw you in jail because you were yelling at a lady. When I pulled up to the scene and saw you yelling, I thought to myself, what a jerk. And then I saw the cross hanging from your rearview mirror and the bumper sticker inviting people to your church. And I, I saw that fish symbol on your car and I thought, he must have stolen that car. Some of y'all explain that to some of the other folks. First John is written so that we can know the difference between real Christians and bogus Christians. So we're going to spend some time doing that. You want to know the difference between a real Christian and a bogus Christian? I'll see you next week. Listen, folks, I don't want you standing before God someday boasting in your stuff. Lord, I went to church my whole life, stayed for Bible class sometimes. I made cookies for vacation Bible school. I went on some mission trips. Isn't that enough? So all I can say about enough is enough is enough. Enough of wondering if you're saved, enough of hoping you're saved, enough of hoping you'll do enough to be saved. John says enough of living like that. I write these things to you so that you will know you're saved. Well, Richie, yeah, but not even going there. John says there's some things that you can know and need to know. So let me give you a few today, just kind of an introduction. Number one, you need to know and you can know Jesus Christ. If you want salvation, you need to know and you can know Jesus Christ. He says in chapter 5 of verse 5, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. And if you don't believe that, you're not saved. That's what God said. 
John says in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. John says you can know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You know, we ask people when they're baptized, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because the Bible says you need to acknowledge. There's that no word, acknowledge that. You need to know Jesus, and you can know Jesus. You say, well, Richie, you know, I wasn't alive thousands of years ago. I don't, I don't know Jesus. I wasn't there. Which is why, as you read through this letter, he begins it this way. That which was from the beginning, that which we've heard, that which we've seen, that which we've looked at, that which our hands have touched, that this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. This life appeared. We've seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We've seen it. We've heard it. You can have fellowship with Him. It's not a rumor. It's not gossip. I've got first-hand knowledge. I saw Jesus. I've seen Him. I've touched Him. I know you weren't alive a couple thousand years ago. John said, I was. You can trust this testimony. John wants us to know first-hand knowledge. Look at chapter 5, verse 9, if you brought your Bibles. 1 John 5 and verse 9. We accept man's testimony, that's John's, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God which He's given about His Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he's not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You need to know Jesus. You can know Jesus. And in Jesus you have life. And outside of Jesus you have death. So you need to know that. That's why John writes, I want you to know this. When it comes to your salvation, you need to know Jesus. Number two, you can know that you've been born again. You can know that you've been saved. You don't have to wonder, have I done enough? Do I need to do more? You don't have to wonder. You don't have to hope. It begins with believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Again, that's why we ask people, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I'm asking you today, the whole audience, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You've got to come to terms with that. It's part of salvation. It's part of assurance. He writes in chapter 4, verse 15, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. It all starts with believing in Jesus. It ends with believing in Jesus. And everything in between is all about believing in Jesus. And you can know that you've been born again. But there's more than just believing There's behaving. There's more than just the right information. There's got to be transformation. There's got to be some behaving. Following God, being a Christian, coming to church is not just about having the right information. Right information is crucial. But there's something more to believing. It's called behaving. Listen, folks. There are people who have the right information. There are people who have the right doctrine. There are people who give all the right answers. They know the information. Satan knows the information. There's more than just believing. It's called behaving. It's called transformation. There's got to be a change in what you believe. 
There's got to be a change in how you behave. When people say, well, you know, it's just the way I am. I've been that way for 40 years. All you're telling me is you're not behaving like a Christian. You're not allowing God to transform you. Well, I've been that way my whole life. Jesus didn't come for you to stay the same way your whole life. There's right information. You've got to believe and you've got to behave. You can't just stand before God and say, you know, I believed all the right stuff. Well, really, did you live it? Well, I believed all the right stuff. So in John chapter 1, verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we don't live in the truth. <clears throat> now listen, church. Again, right information is important. There's people that say, you know what? We need to meet more often so we can get more information. We need to meet on Sunday nights at church so we can get more information. We need to have more gospel meetings so we can get more information. More information is good, I think we need to work on that little transformation deal. Believing is good, we need to work on behaving. Let me illustrate it this way. <clears throat> I went to a one-day Orange Conference with Brian in January, <clears throat> and Reggie Joyner, Joyner was the keynote speaker, and he was fabulous. I'd never heard Reggie Joyner. He said this. He said a lot of good stuff. He said this. If you want people's faith to collapse, then just keep them in a room and teach them. Well, what in the world does that mean? He says it's not just about information. We have plenty of information. We know plenty of Bible stuff. But maybe, just maybe, it's time we got out of the classroom and in the world and started living the stuff we were believing. There's got to be something we go out and do where there's transformation. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, yes, that's huge. Behaving like Jesus Christ is the Son of God, just as huge. And so John says this in chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we've come to know Him if we obey His commands. That's the behaving part. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, that's the behaving part, is a liar. That's what God says. And the truth is not in him. Wow. But if he obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Who, this is how we know, there's that word again, that we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. <clears throat> there's believing. There's behaving. So let me say this, just so we clear the air. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. About time you started behaving like a Christian. I say that in the name of the Lord. Some of you are banking on your baptism thinking, well, that's all I need to do. And you're living like hell the rest of the week. About time you started behaving like a Christian. Well, yeah, but I was baptized. whoop de stinking do If you're not going to behave like a Christian, you just got wet. That's not a ticket to get punched into heaven. If we obey His commands, that's the rest of your life. There's believing, there's behaving. I'm just being honest with you today. Because I want you to be saved, and I want you to know you're saved. And I don't want you to have any false information. And so sometimes the truth hits hard. If you're a real Christian, then as you grow... Your speech is going to start changing. 
relationships and how you treat people are going to start changing. I would like to think how you dress, not that you have to wear a coat and tie, but I would like to think how you dress starts changing because we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. There's believing and there's behaving. John says in chapter 3, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Anyone who's not behaving right is not a child of God. Which leads to another part of that change. There's, there's believing and there's behaving and there's, you need to be loving. I just couldn't make it work any other way. I had to have a B in there. So John says in chapter 3, verse 14, We know, there it is again, that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. How do I know? How can I have assurance of salvation? Well, how's your love for the brothers? How's your love for people? You know, you can come to church every week and not love a brother. You know, you can, we can pass the communion trays and, and we can sit here and focus on the death of Jesus and people not get along and not love a brother. You know, you can read your Bible and not love a brother. You know, you can go on mission trips and not love a brother. And you know, if you don't love a brother, you're lost. Read First John. You can go home today and read it in about 30 minutes. The worst testimony we have in this world is when we do not love. Because Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So when we're not loving, we're not being disciples. If you don't love people, then you're a bogus Christian. Number three, going fast. You can know that your salvation is secure. Here's where I'm going to irritate some people. So to irritate you, let me read Scripture. That way I can't go wrong. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade, kept in heaven for you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can yell, but all you want, I'm reading scriptures. And that's where I'm putting my assurance. Would have thought that was worth an amen. Thank you, brother. Let me ask you something. <clears throat> if you've been baptized, when you were baptized, how many of your sins did Jesus wash away? All of them in the past? All of them in the future? So they're washed away. You know when Jesus died on the cross thousands of years ago, He died for the sins that you not even being born would commit. 
you do know there's not ever anything you could do that God in heaven says, ooh, that's a new one. I don't know if the blood of Jesus is... And yet in the midst of that, you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I hope it's strong enough. Those sins I did last week, last month, last year, if I, I hope it's strong enough. And we get to thinking, you know, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. John says, I want you to know. I just don't, I don't know if the blood of Jesus is strong enough. You say, well, Richie, I don't always walk in the light. I don't either. Don't know anybody who does outside of Jesus. Richie, I don't always love my brother. (laughs) I don't either. But I'm saved. And I know it. So let me read you another verse from 1 John 2, 12. I write to you, dear children, because... Your sins have been forgiven. John, why are you writing? I'm writing because I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know. Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Now, I don't know about you. That sounds real good to me. Richie, I'm writing to you, dear child, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. The real question you need to answer today is not, well, how much have you sinned? The real question that you need to answer today is, how much do you trust Jesus to wash your sins away? All of your sins. Your sins of the past, the sins you haven't even committed. How much do you trust Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus to wash those sins away? Folks, your eternal destiny does not rest in what you do. Your eternal destiny rests in what Jesus did. You've heard me say, you take Jesus out of the equation and you can live the rest of your life and you will die and spend eternity in hell. You put Jesus in the equation and what he did at the cross is what saves us. He paid the debt. He died on the cross. He paid our sin debt. He washes our sins away. You can know that. And rest assured knowing that the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you. All the sins you're going to commit tomorrow, today, next week. But you need to come back because there's a whole lot more. Jesus paid our sin debt. That's what you need to know today. You need to know Jesus Christ. You need to know He wants you to be born again. He wants you to repent of your sins so that He can wash them away. And He wants you to know that when you come up out of that baptistry and every day you live, He wants you to know that His blood is strong enough and powerful enough to give you security to live boldly and confidently with the assurance that you will be with God in heaven one day. That will change how you live. If you need to respond to Jesus Christ today, give Him your life. Put your confidence in Him and not you. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. Please respond so that Jesus can wash your sins away today as we stand and sing. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt.